said, and I'll never forget it. It was so profound. He goes, you can fail at what you don't want to do. So you might as well go and take the chance of failing at what you actually love and want to do. Welcome back to The Aging Entrepreneur. We're excited to be talking about all things kicking off the first year in business, right? Yeah, so last episode, we kind of discussed just the idea of what it takes to get going and the challenges and why you don't want to do it. But this time, let's pretend for a second that you've started. What does that first year look like? And we're going to do it a little differently. I'm actually, because Nick has a, a year one with more than just one business, too. Nick the marketer is the, most, is the latest and I would say most successful. But, and so he has experienced different year ones. And I want to kind of walk through with him what did that look like? What were your challenges, things of that nature, and surprises, too? Because I'm sure there were a lot of surprises that you were not expecting. But, you know, Michael, even as we prepare for this podcast, I'm trying to think back on year one. And we're so far from where we started in even a three-year period. Oh, yeah. I almost want, like, if you base, uh, for anybody who's in the middle of a startup or getting ready to start their business or or even you've been in business for 5, 10, 20 years, think back to your first year. Does it look anything today like what you expected it to look like? Probably not. I mean, mine, <laughs> mine doesn't. Mine doesn't. And I was just looking through here. So according to the Bureau of Statistics, 20% of all businesses fail the first year. We passed that mark. So by the end of the fifth year, fifty percent have failed. So by the end of what year? The fifth year. So the end of the so we're screwed. No. <laughs> and after <laughs> and they say after ten years, only there a third have survived. So the businesses, in terms of starting it, there's a great chance you may not make it as right. a company. Uh, but just to say, twenty percent. So of the ten people that are listening, <laughs> wow, man, that's cold. Two of y'all. <laughs> failed <laughs> so just just a good starting point but let's talk about that year one to, disc, let's talk about nick the marketer and if you want to compare it to the previous ones as well it's good too but let's what did that like how did that first start out i know with nick the marketer it was really just you right essentially so that first year was it scary was it uh what you expected or where you're like, I got this, I'm moving forward, I know what I'm doing, I'm not looking back. Okay, that first year I dealt with imposter syndrome. And, and it, that's not a fear. That is, I, I, I've started a business. Who are other people to listen to me? Yeah, I don't have years and years of experience in digital marketing. I mean, I know what I'm doing in the advertising world. I've been doing that for a while with radio and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but as far as as far as this this massive amount of experience behind me, that first year I was like, I can't believe these people are doing business with me. <laughs> I would not do business with me. Like I'm just thinking of like, like these people are trusting me with thousands of dollars a month of their income. And now here's the thing: that doesn't mean I didn't believe in myself. I knew I could do it. That probably came. That's probably why they gave me money, right? Like, okay, this guy. There's it, some confidence. Whether he knows what he's doing or not, he sure appears to be. And I was always very transparent in everything that I did, even when I messed up. 
I never had to I never had to have a client call me and say you messed up. I would call them and say I messed up, yeah. right? So uh, as far as was I afraid? No, I wasn't afraid. Um, not, not from that standpoint, whether or not we were going to make money to pay mortgages and stuff like that. Now that's a totally different animal, mm -hmm. but was I afraid on being able to do the work that I said I was going to do? No. But in that first year struggled immensely with imposter syndrome. So with imposter, I mean, it, honestly, imposter syndrome, I think there's different ways to even look at that in the sense of, I, I, I've heard people even say, uh, Billie Eilish, uh, of all people, she said she struggled with imposter syndrome where she was, she couldn't figure out if she was even herself. She was just pretending to be herself. And it was something she struggled with because I, I think when you get to that point where you, you have success, you you feel like things are moving in the right direction, you're like, is that really me happening or am I just faking it the whole time? Right. <laughs> well, so we're in the marketing industry, right? Yeah. She, Billie Eilish is in the music industry. Um, I'll try and come from her perspective first. As you can imagine, there are tons of successful musicians out there. And you look at, I'm, I'm thinking Billie Eilish, she's, she's out there in a way. She does her own unique thing. I don't know much about her music, but I know she's popular. Mm -hmm. um, Lady Gaga. Yeah. Madonna. Mm -hmm. um, people I would have idolized would be somebody like the Dave Matthews man. Sure. Uh, just kind of music. Uh, um, Kiss, you know, like imagine if all you did was study Kiss and they are the ones that inspired you to be a musician. Yeah. And then you get on stage and you don't look like, you don't act like anything like Kiss. And yet that's your expectation on what people want because that's what you want. Yep. Okay. So for me, uh, one of my favorite marketers out there, his name is Billy Jean Shaw with Billy Jean is marketing. I am nothing like him. I'm white, he's black, right? <laughs> he is way out there, open, He's in California. He's in California. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> you know, all the different things. Like, I look, sound like, I, I'm nothing like him. Mm. He is just on a completely different level as far as his personality goes. And yet, I was trying to do what he, I, I'm doing today what he does, yep. if you think about it. Yep. So, the reason I struggle with imposter syndrome is because I know how immensely successful he is. Mm. And... The imposter is, do I have to say, look like, be like, all those things? Do I have to look like Billie Jean to be successful? That's the imposter syndrome. Because I'm not any of those things, you feel like an imposter. Oh, yeah. Does, is that? Yeah, I, and, you know, I, I think what I think the success starts to come when you are becoming, you take your own stride, right? You're right. not just duplicating somebody else's stride and mimicking them to 100%. You become your own person where mm -hmm. you beca became Nick the Marketer, not Billy Jean yeah. is marketing by Nick. R right, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but, but, it, but it's funny that you even call it Nick the Marketer. That alone was something that made it appear like I was trying to be like Billie Jean. Yeah. I, I was going to call it, what did we call it? I, I had told you what it was. I can't even remember now. Uh, it's like Digify yeah. and, and, and all these different names. And, and I'll never forget uh, a, a buddy of mine named Andy Evans who just walked up to me and goes, dude, you're Nick the Marketer. <laughs> and then some other friends of mine that were, are in my circle, they're like, dude, you're Nick the Marketer. You can't call it that. Because what I would do is I would run by – that I would run some names by them, but they've been calling me Nick the Marketer for forever yeah. because I've been in the marketing gig. I will say, so that's a good point to, to our audience. Listen to your peers a little bit. Yeah. Don't try to put a square, you know, into a, into a circle type of thing. 
if people are telling me, well, this is what I expected of you, or this is what I've seen, this is, I naturally just think of this when I think of you. Think about that, right? Like that, that's some, probably some good indications that that's a good thing. Like, listen to it. Don't just say, I have to be this because I've been told this. I, I know, uh, even with, uh, so my wife, she's a wedding photographer. There's, uh, Kay, uh, what's her name? Caitlin James. Yeah, Caitlin James Photography. She's like this world renowned wedding photographer, and there was a push to become like her. Well, be your own person. Yeah. Don't don't be, and it's stressful to become somebody that you just can't be. But let me just be clear: you can't be. Right. Like it doesn't matter what you do; you're not them. You, there are some wonderful things that you can take from people that you look up to. Like there's some action items and just maybe leadership that they do well with. But you should never be them, because there's not there's not another right. version of them. It's just is you become like you're a, a sum of things that you've learned. You're not the reflection of somebody exactly that you follow. You know, it, what's, what's relevant to this particular situation is I, I, I was watching an interview with Simone Biles. Mm-hmm. I think I said that right. Simone Biles. Yeah. She, she's the, she's an Olympian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah gymnastics. Yeah. And the interviewer asked, are you the next Michael Phelps? Who's the famous swimmer who has like, you know, 10,000 gold medals. Uh, not really. But her response to that is what we all should have the response is, I'm not the next Michael Phelps. I'm the first Simone Biles. There you go. And I'm not the next Billy Jean. I'm the first Nick the Marketer. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's that mental switch from trying to be who you want to be like to just being yourself. Nobody does it right out of the gate. I don't care who they are. I don't care who they are. Even Billy Jean, if you go back and listen to some of the stuff early on, he was trying to be like Frank Kern, right? You can see it, and you can see it back in my early days of me attempting to be something that I wasn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think some people get caught in this trap of if I just read a book and do exactly what the book says exactly, then I'm I'm going to be fine. Like, no, there's a – take that information, take what you learn and grow from it and become you mm. and become better a better you, essentially. But, okay, so – that imposter syndrome is fantastic info. Some other questions I had in place. So tell me about that first few months you were by yourself mm-hmm. and then you had to bring on people to help you because you brought in enough work where it was more than just you. What was that like? What was going to your mind? I got to make some hires, either it's contractors or an actual internal employee. Like to me as a, uh, I, that's terrifying to me because now people rely on me, right? Mm-hmm. And then they, now I got to make sure I legally do it right. And then all, all everything's done the right way. And then if a client doesn't come through or the money's not there, well, now I have another problem. I got to pay my people mm-hmm. if the revenue is available. A lot of challenges. So in your head, how did you make the switch? Okay, it's more than just me now. I had to hire people. What was that process? Because, um, that's a big jump for a lot of people. A lot of people are afraid to go from a single, entre- you know, solopreneur essentially to now I have a team I got to hire. Right. What was going through your head? Well, first of all, I did it incorrectly. Okay. okay. Let's talk. <laughs> um, if you notice, because you were around, you were right down the hall. Yeah. The people that originally started with me are no longer with me. None of them. Okay. Do you know any idea why? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's because I hired them as contractors. All of them? Yeah. Okay. Right? So the original people, out of fear of exactly what you just brought up, scared that I wouldn't make payroll, they were treated, I mean, I didn't mean to, subconsciously, but 
out of that fear, I treated them like a contractor or more importantly, temporary. Yeah. Right. right? And, and I didn't mean to, again, it was subconscious or whatever, but uh, I had reduced my risk down to them being a contractor and therefore they didn't have as much skin in the game. I didn't get the level of work out. I say out of them. That's, I didn't bring them up to the level of work that they deserved to be doing. Well, you weren't their only priority. I wasn't. That's another part. So out of that, I lowered my risk, but I also lowered the quality of output from those team members. Mm -hmm. Um, I always treated them like family and a team member, but I think there was always that underlying, you know, they got a foot out the door. I've got a foot out the door because if something goes wrong, they're just a contractor. I can give them a notice and they're gone. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, that's where the mistakes were made early on and that I, I, I messed up bringing on new people. Now, that changed with Brittany and you, like mm-hmm. literally the next week, I think. Um, that changed because I had recognized that mistake in the first year. So really it was year two that it turned out I, I had figured out the mistakes that I made in the hiring process. Now, the question, the original question is how did I know that I needed to bring people on? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a twofold on that question. One, um, there, there were, there were blind spots in my work and I needed to bring on somebody who could do it better than me. So you, you were recognizing that there was some quality issues that were starting to happen because you were growing. Right. And I think as most people know, as you grow, we call it growing pains, but essentially you can't be everything to everybody, mm-hmm. especially when you now have 20 of those people or 10 of those people that you're trying to serve as a client. Cause like in, in, in Nick, the marketer's role as a marketing, it's a retainer based model where they're not a one and done client. They're every month they're expecting work to be done. And so when you do 10, there's only so many hours in a day. That's and right. now you're in this like, okay, if I bring on the contractors and stuff like that, I can fill in some needs, but then, like we said, the priorities aren't there. So if they have a better-paying opportunity that's that's being asked to, for, like like from us as well, they're going to choose the being the better pay over us just because they can. Right. There's no obligations there. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I, just to the audience, you know, think about this. If you if you start your business and you're starting to move up a little bit, so like Nick's saying, you. Take time to recognize, are you still producing the same amount of quality that you did with that first client? Not so much, because now there are those clients that they re- re- you know they recognize, oh, I'm your only client. I get to use and abuse you. Boy, did they. That's a lesson right there. That's right. Um, and then, but in terms of define your benchmark of quality, define what that is, and then when you do bring on people, you teach that benchmark so then you don't have to worry about the quality being put out, even though you may never touch that client. Right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big one for people. Well, so there's just a, a whole lot to unpack there because mm-hmm. there's so many moving parts to it. Is do you do you actually have enough work coming in that justifies the risk to take on another person? I mean, this is their livelihood. Yep. Right. It would be incredibly selfish of me to not take that into consideration when bringing somebody on. If the only thing I'm trying to do is either check a box on production or check a box on operations or check a box on sales, mm-hmm. like. We need to justify for their sake as well that it's a good fit to bring somebody on. Oh, yeah. Like, I made a note, too. Like, you know, you're not just hiring a skill. No. There's a lot more to it. Uh, because, I, And that's something I've learned from you as well is that I think one of our first questions when we when you basically were interviewing me uh, was understanding my goals and mm-hmm. my needs. And 
would we be able to meet them here and basically understanding the time frames and making sure like I'm not stuck per se. So that I think is super important because you can't do that with a contractor. Contractor is here's an order, take it and then move on. But your actual team that you build, there's more to it than just that. For that person that's listening, that has their idea, they understand they're ready. They're, they're, they're gearing up. For example, they're, they're doing what we talked about in the last episode where they're getting up early and yeah. they're putting in the reps and they're, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're tucking their kids away. Cause again, we're talking to middle-aged entrepreneurs, right? So, yeah. um, you know, they're, 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 they're maybe tucking their kids in, maybe they have some younger kids or some, some, uh, preteens or something like that. And they're putting them to bed and, and, uh, they've spent time with their family and, and now it's that nine thirty mark and they're putting in the reps also after at midnight, they're ready to take that leap. Um, depending on what type of business you may need employees right out of the gate. Yeah. It really, de- yeah. yeah. Cause like there's some things you can do by yourself. Some things you just have to have a team and then you begin into this weird position. Like, okay, I have to have a team and all these things that go along with it. And then am I even hiring the right people the first right. time? And like you said, part of they were contractors and like maybe not the best hires out of the gate either. Cause you didn't know, yeah. didn't know what you didn't know. Um, but yeah, that's true. Like there, there's some, like, I, I love to hear from people in the audience, like, what kind of business are you trying to start? Does it require more than just you to get going? You know, is it a lot more involved? Is it, are you building something or is it a service or what is that? So I'd love to hear from everybody. Well, there's that. so many things, you know, it's funny, uh, Michael, you and I run into all different kinds of businesses. Yeah, that's the best part. It, it's fun. <laughs> we, really, we, we really get to see, like, really good ideas. But I'm just taking uh, an example I've got a friend that works at a roofing company, mm-hmm. and it's funny how many people that work for roofing companies that start a roofing company. Lots of them. Uh, like, there's there's a roofing company everywhere. You could probably say it for pest control, HVAC. Right. A lot of the skilled laborers, like, they figure it out, right. and they get really good, and mm-hmm. they kind of build a base a little bit of loyalty, and then they move over and do their own. That's right. And, and, and that happens all the time. But But let's talk back to that roofer for just a second. He doesn't do what we, as a marketing company, I mean, I was, I was uh, selling it, I was invoicing it, I was collecting, I was delivering the product or service, or the service really, mm-hmm. I was tracking everything, rinse and repeat, and I had to do that until I was like out of time, Yep. right? A, a roofer, he starts out, he goes out and sells it, do you think he's putting that roof on? No. No. So sometimes relationships are really, really important, important whenever you're starting a business. So you take that roofer, for example, he better have a good relationship with some contractors because they're going to prioritize the businesses that are feeding them. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to have this relationship with a contractor, that's a roofing company. I had to have relationships with contractors that could do some good work until I could bring all of that in-house. Yep. Right? Uh, You have a car lot. You have, I I don't know, you're putting in swimming pools. Uh, You have an idea for an e-commerce business. It could be a million different ideas out there. It's being incredibly intentional about what your need is in that first year on whether or not you need to bring somebody on and then what that even looks like. Or if you're starting a business, you need to know who to bring with you. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I, I see that a lot where you see these uh, basically, hey, I'm, you see like these side conversations happening. Hey, I'm starting this thing. I want you to be part of this. I think this is a great role that you would fit into um, and things like that. So I, I could see in a lot of ways, because that's where partnerships start out and stuff like that. Hey, I have this idea. I can do this part, but I cannot handle this side of the business. I want you to do that part. 
and then we can put ourselves together and make a business out of it. So you see a lot of that. But I, I like, and then another thing too that we've recently seen are the virtual assistant stuff. You can virtual assistants, VA, a lot of things. Like we're, we've seen a lot of agencies do that. And we've seen agencies that start from zero and just hire VA. So these are people from out of country mostly to do work. And then they eventually move over to hiring internal people. So we've, we've moved beyond that in that sense because we have all internal people here. But, like, that's another method because, let's be honest, you know, you could spend $5, 10 an hour max on a VA that can do certain things for you compared to somebody internally because you don't have the revenue yet. Well, let's unpack that just a hair. <laughs> I, I have opinions. Yeah. Um, I could make as a business owner, so much more money if I hired VAs. Oh, yeah, it's like 10%. It's, it's not even close. <laughs> um, but you got to think about if, you, if, if you're going to outsource that way. By the way, we've got good friends that own a company called RepStack, Azar. Yeah, great, yeah, they're fantastic. Guy. RepStack is awesome. If you're looking for a VA, we like RepStack. Yep. That being said, shameless plug, don't get paid for that. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, you have to be able to train that person. A VA doesn't come with knowledge. They come with a work ethic. Yeah. Right? You have to train them on what you want them to do. So if you need a VA, which stands for virtual assistant, if you need a VA to do your books, well, you have to take the time out. to. It's going to be easier for you to do those books yourself than to take the extra time to teach that VA how to do it. However, long-term, once they've learned it, you get to step away from that. Yep. Other than just keeping a pulse on it. Well, and you could even, even from a VA, even to like a hired internal employee, it's similar, right? Because there are obviously some standard business practices that all businesses take on, be it like a QuickBooks accounting type stuff or basic uh, how to do customer service. But when it comes to like certain things within your company, what you're trying to do, you need to set your standard and train them that way because – I think I've always heard this. Oh, it only takes me five minutes to do this. Why do I need to spend 10 hours training this person that takes me only five minutes? Well, when you have to do that five minutes 50 times in a week, you don't have time anymore. That right. 10 hours is worth a whole lot more all of a sudden. And I think some people have to get past that because they, they go in that mentality of, I'm the only one. I, if you want anything done right, do it yourself, which is a lie. Like, that's not really true. It's not true at all. No, it's not. And if that were the case, we wouldn't have a Marcus on our team or a Brittany or a Michael Ray. There you or, go. You know, <laughs> that's just not true. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a mental state that people have when they start their business. Like, I am the best at this. No one else can understand what I'm trying to do, and I can never convey this to anybody. So here's the truth of that, Michael. Nobody will ever do it the way you want it done. Right. That's not the same thing as it being done the right way. Right, or Those the best two, way. Two very different things. Yeah. Right. There are a lot of people, as my, if I recall, I literally openly apologized to one of our team members in a meeting today because a, a week or two ago I had corrected an action of, of a way I would have done it different and the way they did it was better for our company. Mm-hmm. And I had to go, I was wrong, you were right, you're good looking, I'm not attractive. <laughs> and he was like, as long as you can admit that, we're okay. So it, it worked out nicely. But but that's just it. It, it. It's not that they can't do it better. It's that they may not do it the way you want it done. And you're going to have to get over yourself. Yeah, you really have to because you become the bottleneck. 
Uh, I think we, I, you probably, hopefully you've heard that like typically when your business growing, the owner becomes the own bottleneck that they can't hire and let other people handle different parts of the business. Uh, John Maxwell calls that the law of the lid. Yeah, yeah, the law of the lid. That's right. John Maxwell's pretty good stuff too, but that's another good. He's e- okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's another uh, example of John Maxwell can give you great info, but that doesn't actually mean much if you don't A, apply it and B, make it your own a little bit, right? You yeah. can't you can't become a John Maxwell. You don't want to become a John Maxwell. So anyway, so moving on to some other things I noted here. Um, well, we'll just be it straightforward. Any hard lessons that you had to learn outside the contractor piece when they were kind of falling to the wayside? Any other year one hard lessons? You're like, I'm never going to do that again. To be totally candid, I know we've talked about this in the past. Yes. Um, if you are leaving a company to start your business, do it the right way. What, uh, what is the right way? That's a lot to unpack, Michael. <laughs> What's uh, the wrong way? Uh, I, I guess I would say the wrong way to leave is to be side hustling and not prioritizing where you should be. I had reasons for doing what I did. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were important and they were for the improvement of my family. But there are some things that I wish I had done differently. They weren't necessarily wrong or illegal, but it danced the line of ethical boundaries. Sure. And even though I don't, like, there's nothing there for me to go back and apologize for or anything like that, it still, to this day, kind of eats at me a little bit. I wish I had done it differently. I wish I could be more specific. Um, it, it's it's a little thing. It's not big. One, there's this one massive thing. It, it, it was the transition from working from, from for another company to going out and doing my own thing. There was that uh, occasional playing dumb. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, what are you talking about? Or, no, that's not, I I don't know. I didn't do that. I don't know what you're hearing, but that's not, that's not my plan. Mm -hmm. Um, It, it, it should have been, it should have been done a little differently. And I wish I had, I wish I had exited better than I did. So, so you're talking about the transition from your, nine to five, eight to five job yeah. to the let's start Nick the marketer. Yeah. There were things that you wish you had done differently, mostly from a questionable ethical yeah. standpoint. Did it hurt or, or the previous company? Probably not. Well, I didn't take any clients. Away. Right. You didn't, I didn't like, pursue any clients. You didn't steal. Um, I did not. And even the ones that came to me because they wanted to work with me, I even said no to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I didn't want to cross those. I, I didn't want to cause damage to the company. It, it was going to be enough. God, this is going to sound totally arrogant. <laughs> it was going to be enough that I was exiting the company. For all I know, I did them a favor because I was costing them payroll or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I haven't talked to them since. But um, exiting that business, again, I just, there's things in my spirit. You just, you know, if you're, if you, if you strive to be a good person and live a moral life, you don't even want that to be a question to come up later mm-hmm. um, because it's really hard to settle in your soul and in your spirit. Yeah, yeah. That's the best I, way I can say that. Well, you know, there's a, at the same time, too, uh, it's hard to cold turkey something. You have to be a little bit, you know, basically, in like in your situation, it would have been very difficult to cold turkey. Like, I'm going to do this, but I have no one I'm talking to. I'm just going to start right. and just hope. Oh, somebody, there's no way. 
Yeah, it wouldn't have worked, right? Yeah. No, I I had clients that uh, when I left the company, I had already I had already replaced my income. Yeah, exactly. So you, you know, you had you took the approach of like I gotta get this to a certain point before I cut ties. Right. Uh, and I think there's lots of people listening. Like that's probably where you're sitting right now. I gotta get this to a certain point before I cut ties. I'm gonna be as ethical as possible and honor my current commitments, but. Ultimately, I need to be smart about this, too. I right. can't put my family in jeopardy because of something I want to pursue. And that's what we're talking about on this podcast. You're, it's, the responsibilities are beyond just you. You have other people relying on you, no matter what your decision is. And so I, th- I think it's like, yeah, it's a struggle for sure in your heart, but reality is if you didn't do that, think about where you would be right now. Right. Not in a great spot. No, no, no. I would have been. I mean, I, when I when I left my previous company, we were we were. I had spent all of my savings. I'd gone into debt just to maintain what little lifestyle we had. Yeah. Because we didn't have much. It's not like I was living lavish. I'm not now. You mm. know me. Yeah. But uh, you know, at the time, we, I had blown through all my savings just to survive that transition from the other job. Based on, I'm gonna call it false promises. It wasn't a perfect relationship. That's not the point. The other thing that I would say, Michael, is. Freaking taxes. <laughs> taxes you don't know are taxes. Yeah. A couple of examples is uh, I paid the state tax to get a to business license. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also a county tax and a city tax to pay on those. Yep. And then some dude with a clipboard comes in your office and counts your furniture and pays you a privilege tax. And just things that you don't know are there, that's unforeseen. I, I think <laughs> I think it's safe to say uh, a couple of things there. One, there's probably at least four taxes you're probably going to pay as a business owner. That you don't know are there. Yeah, <laughs> at least four. Um, and then two, be smart and pay a, an accountant to keep you in check. We use QuickBooks. <laughs> QuickBooks owns TurboTax. We don't use TurboTax. Exactly. Have an accountant or a CPA do your taxes. You're going to spend a little bit of money with them, but you will save thousands later or your business being shut down like yep. a cpa and accounting can save you from that yep so we're going to tell you like out of the gate a couple of things with your like year one stuff know oh. your know your lawyer know your accountant and be ready when you make the leap you got to make it hard and you got to be moving straight on don't that like you said don't side hustle your way through it it's going to hurt in the long run so somebody that shows up to your house has a gun and will take your money is a thief and the IRS. Yep. Both of those people do that. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. I don't care what political side you fall on. They both show up with a gun. They both take your money. Well, they make the joke of if anything, you have death and taxes to look forward to. I'm telling you what, man. <laughs> That's right, and sometimes you're going to get taxed on death, too. So. Oh, that's a real thing. <laughs> you still get taxed after you die. That's right. Um, anyway, so, all right, we've gone through some things right here. So we've talked about some general lessons. Looking back, so here we are now. We're in year three of Nick the Marketer. I think it, to me, personally, I think it's grown faster and better than I would have guessed. Me too. Um, and obviously, we always want more growth, essentially. But the reality is... It's done really well. If you were going to name off a couple of key things that's part of that success, that if you can, that you know that you established, if you established it right at the gate, which you may have, I'm not sure, you can help answer that. But what are some key items that's helped bright, you know, bring that success to the table? And you think that's a foundation that any business should probably take advantage of? Don't take on debt. Don't take on debt. Yep. We're three years in. 
we have a staff of 10 full-time employees. We have office equipment everywhere. It's packed <laughs> out. We have a nice little neon. That we pay tax on. Yep. We pay taxes <laughs> on it with a clipboard. Uh, I almost want to hide the monitors if I know they're coming. They tell, like, literally, they count, they, they count the stapler on the desk. It's stupid. Anyway, um, we have a nice little beautiful neon sign. We've wrapped walls. We've got an amazing office with a beautiful view, and I've never taken out a loan. Nope. Never taken out a loan. Um, so don't take on a loan to go into business. That That's my advice, whether you do it or not, it's on you. I just, yeah. you know, I'd say that's one thing that set the, the company up for success. Yeah, especially since, like, in particular, like, this company is a service-based company. It's really a hard pill to swallow so you have to take a loan out to get a service-based company up now i know in, in the world of if you're i've, I've started like i'm starting this company is solely based on this piece of equipment that costs a million dollars or whatever to run uh, like i could think of a friend that has a print shop mm-hmm. they have like a half a million dollar printer but that's what separates them and that's what got them going that's a that's that's one instance of a loan could be useful but in general avoid that like period like you're not in a position it, because that debt, that pay, repayment of debt's coming. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you get a client or not. They don't care. You took their money. They're going to take it back with interest. So, That's right. you, uh, yeah, don't don't get into debt if you can if you can help it. Right. So what else you got? I have worked on myself, and I've been open to people that 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 can look into my blind spots and tell me the truth. And, yeah. And, and I've allowed it. Um, so you're cut, cutting out your arrogance and things. I was going to say, the other thing, don't go into debt, obviously, and, and also get your ego out of the way. Yeah. Being a business owner doesn't make you better than anybody. Nope. Okay? And just because somebody may have a job or, or whatever, I, I'm telling you, us business owners, we just think different. Mm-hmm. Okay? We do. Our risk meter and our tolerance level is much higher than the average person. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with other people. All right. Right? Get a group of people that you're okay with them giving you an opinion that may not line up. That does not mean take advice from stupid people. That's not what I'm getting and at. And don't take every advice that's given. That's right. Even if you have somebody that gives you great advice regularly, doesn't mean you apply all of it. Well, you know, I hope my mom's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send her a direct link. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, so, so here's the thing. There's, the, there's, this, there's this term that she uses, and I, I love my mother immensely. Okay. But there's a term that she uses, and she's used it almost my whole life. And, and it is a, it's a phrase that she uses that actually casts doubt on the things that I do. Okay. I, Interesting. I, I'll, I'll okay. You, so, Michael, I, w- I, want you to, I want you to say to me right now, I'm so excited I'm about to start my own business. Go. I am so excited I'm about to start my own business. Well, I really hope that works out for you. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Like, you have no confidence in me. And that's, that's been from my mom, well, I hope so. And, and, and it's those people that you want to love, and when they say, well, I sure hope that works out for you, and they do it in that kind of, like, they're literally or, shaking their head no or, at the or, same time. Or, why would you do that? Well, that's obvious. That's <laughs> obvious, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Right? That's somebody that's challenging me. This is somebody not challenging me or even believes in me at the same time. Or, like a, or are you sure you want to do that? Right. 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 All those different kinds of things. So that that's where you really have to let your ears perk up like a Doberman Pinscher and be like, mm, 
there's something there that I need to be weary of. Well, and then and it's funny too because you know we're trying to talk to the thirty and forty year olds that have responsibilities. That phrase there could, like you said, came from your mom, but like for a twenty something year old that wants to start something and they're like semi like trying to work still with their parents to some degree, they're gonna say, "Why, why would you do, go get a good job? Yep. Don't don't just." I don't want you to do that. That's not stable. Mm-hmm. Go get a job at a big company where you can stay there forever and be okay. Uh, but then you have, when they're 34-year-olds, they're married and have responsibilities. It may be the spouse saying, do you really want to do that? Are you want to give up all of this for that? Why would you do that? Quick story that is not my story. It's Jim Carrey's story where he did a commencement speech where he was talking about growing up that his dad could have been a great comedian, but he went and got a safe job as an accountant, and after 20 years still got fired. Yeah. And he said, and I'll never forget it, it was so profound, he goes, you can fail at what you don't want to do, so you might as well go and take the chance of failing at what you actually love and want to do. I like it. And it's, I would recommend anybody listening, like go YouTube search, Jim Carrey commencement speech, and that's going to come up, and it's so good in the way he delivers that. Uh, it's not going to be much different than what I just said, but, I mean, he delivers it so well, and it makes so much sense, and he is absolutely right. I watched my dad work his guts out for a company, and after 25 years, they threw him out of there and didn't even care, and he had to start over. Yeah. And he wanted to be a doctor. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, when you hit the start over button, sometimes is it too late? Cause I, I don't I, think so, but that's another story. Right. Well, I know it's interesting because you and I both, we go into networking stuff. We always come across the 50 or 60-year-old. What are you doing now? Uh, I did that for in my other life. I did that for 20 years. I love it. And then, like, what are you doing now? I just started doing this. Well, that's a completely different change. Why the change? I love it. It's what I want to do. I think there's an important note here, Michael. Uh, that I just popped into my head, all right? It's a lot easier for you to start a business on your own terms with your own exit strategy than getting fired and having to start over from scratch because you're operating in one position out of intentionality and the other one you're acting out of desperation. Well, and yeah, because like you're, you can be working on your timeline and not working on your boss's timeline. It's going to get rid of you. Better get prepared. Yeah. Cause you know, well, I would tell you, like, so we had COVID come through, and that wrecked a lot of businesses. That helped a lot of businesses. You know, it's kind of a weird mix. But reality is you're not guaranteed your job. When you hear these giant companies do, like, thousands of layoffs at a time, you had everybody got laid off had no say in that. Mm-hmm. Here you go, bye. And it's, right. a, it's immediate. Have fun. Sorry. And you can't. We picked be- up some good talent during that time. By the way, <laughs> we just did. throw that out there. <laughs> While other digital marketing agencies were laying people off, they were calling us, and we were like, Are "You kidding me? Come on!" Yeah. So, like, there's opportunities that open up for sure. But the reality is, if you want to control your your life from a career standpoint and not be told what your career is supposed to be, that's when you're like, if, if you're mentally going through that right now, this is podcast is perfect for you because we're trying to tell you. You're right. You can make a change, and you can make your change, not somebody else's change. So, anyway, That's good. I think this was a great episode. I, you know, we touched on year one stuff. We touched on a lot of worries and lessons and things like that. And it's all good info. I hope everybody got something out of it. Please write us if there was something that stuck out that you'd love us to talk more about. We'd love to unpack that for you. Anything else to add, Nick? Are we good? No, I think we're good. 
Awesome. Yeah, that's been fun. Michael, thanks for the interview. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do more of those in the near future. But all right, guys, well, we'll catch you on the next one. We'll see you. If this podcast inspired you to take action as an entrepreneur, we want to hear about it. Send us an email, agingentrepreneur at gmail.com. And if you liked this episode, please consider leaving us a review or five stars on whatever platform you're listening to. Until then, find your dream and keep chasing it.